Hi, Kirby. Hi, Sarah. Welcome, Welcome to, to Los Angeles. Welcome, Glamgelinos. We hope you stay a while. <laughs> Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Glams, we want to start things off by saying that we. I've appreciated y'all's support for almost four years now. Cannot believe it. The podcast is a full-grown toddler and is entering its senior year. Oh my God, we're seniors. Best year ever. Maybe the trials and tribulations will end after <laughs> we graduate. <laughs> but on that note, we want to take Los Angeles to the next level. And we know that we cannot do that not only without y'all, but without new listeners. We want to encourage you, if you have ever benefited from this podcast in any way, if you've ever laughed at any of our jokes, if you've ever said shooketh and thought of me, <laughs> <laughs> if you've ever picked up a new sunscreen that we recommended, if you ever saw a Tatcha bottle and wondered if Sarah was being paid under the <laughs> table to talk about them. I'm not. I wish. If you've ever looked at a half magic product and thought is Kirby behind this she is yes 100% if you have participated in Los Angeles Confidential if you're in our Facebook group if you are on our Instagram if you came to our live show with Gwen Stefani or we just pop up in your feed and you listen to us when you can we appreciate your support we want to ask you to share our social media and more importantly, our episodes with one of your favorite friends or even a group of them. So your, this is your what we're... Your fave group chat. Your fave group chat. Think of it right now. Pull up your phone. Open it up. Yep. You're probably on your phone right now because you're listening to this likely on your phone. Bust open your group chat. Your The first one that pops up, I'll say. Not even your favorite. The first group chat. And say, Kirby and Sarah, say hi. And let chaos ensue. Who's Kirby and Sarah? What the hell? Was this the wrong chat? We want to know how people react to this. We want you to take screenshots and tag us on social media. The funniest responses will elicit some videos from me and Sarah personally to you. We will be sharing our favorites. But what we're hoping this does is creates a conversation. Not only like who the hell are we, but... Los Angeles is the podcast they host that you personally love. Yes. And we want you to share what you love with people that you care about. Yes. But we also like in order for us to like bring you guys better guests, better opportunities, more live shows. Yes. Uh, more Los Angeles confidential insider behind the scenes products, all that good stuff. We need to continue go to, to grow the podcast. So correct. This is where. Y'all come in and we really appreciate all of the support that you show us in general. 
but let's let's take Los Angeles to the next level. I want to take Los Angeles on the road. So let's just manifest these dreams of ours. Oh my gosh. Like Dave and have our own little bus. Uh, okay, I want Dave Bird to come on this podcast. I think he would be an excellent guest. Oh my god, he would be incredible. Little dicky for those not familiar with Dave Bird. Wait, can I tell you about something completely unhinged that I thought about the other day? Please. Sometimes when I'm working out, I think about hosting award shows. I'm like, okay, this is what I would do if I was the host of this award show. Like the Oscars, the Emmys, whatever. Uh-huh. This year for the Emmys, they are they I think they're submitting Brad Pitt as best guest starring role on a show because for those of you not familiar familiar with the FX show Dave, which everybody should watch because it's great. Brad Pitt was on the finale. And it was not just a blip. It was like the entire episode. Not just a cameo. Incredible. I He was so good in it. It was amazing. So funny. It was great. Oh my gosh. It was hilarious. What an episode. I have this vision of kicking off the Emmys this year. It's Kirby Johnson hosting the Emmys, okay? And all of a sudden, I, I'm walking out onto stage in a leopard print long sleeved gloves like Shania Twain 100% and I'm singing that don't impress me much and I kick things off singing so what you're Logan Roy that don't impress me much and then <laughs> Brian Cox is like fuck off and it's like a whole choreographed thing it's like all scripted yeah. and then uh. I walk down the aisle and I'm singing about you know the Brad Pitt chorus is coming yeah. up like you, you think you're Brad Pitt or whatever so, yeah okay but instead of saying Brad Pitt, I go, so what? You're Dave Bird. That don't impress. And then Dave's <laughs> like, me? And it's like a whole thing. And everyone's like, oh, Kirby. So anyways. I hope that Dave gets nom gets all the nominations. Same. It's, it's a great show. It's such an underrated show. How many guest stars were on that finale? Uh, just in throughout the whole season. Like Jack Harlow. Yes. This is so funny. Travis Barker. Uh, you would be... Like Rachel such Adams. a good Emmy's host, obviously, but thank you. Dave would also be such a good host. No, Dave would be an incredible. Dave, oh my god, Dave, Dave needs Dave to be a he needs to host an award show. Let me produce the Emmys opening number with Dave. I have the vision. Dave Bird, make this. Like, how good <laughs> would a happen. little dicky rap be about the show? The this year's best shows. One hundred percent. Ugh. I'm all in on this. We need a campaign for this. Have they already announced the Emmys host? You would know better than me. I haven't been keeping up, if so. All right. We have some... Oh, no, Sarah, you've been losing your hair. Have you guys heard? <laughs> have you guys heard? Have you been losing your hair or have you oh been my pulling gosh. your hair out? I wish that were the case. No, I knew this was coming. I knew that at three months, my hair would start shedding. I was praying that it wouldn't because I do have some unicorn friends who magically never lost hair postpartum. But with Zoe last time at three months, I started shedding and it was just, it's just, if anyone has ever lost hair before, it's just a really, really depressing feeling of like grabbing your hair, trying to put it up in a ponytail or brushing your hair and just like, I told Kirby, I was like, BRB, I have to go vacuum mounds of hair off the ground. Are you noticing hair missing in areas? So if you live, like, if you lift my hair and look at my oh, hairline, uh -huh. you can see where, see how it's like yep. lighter? Yep. 
yeah, like the skin color is a lot lighter. So that's how I notice that I'm definitely that in addition to like all the hair that I'm losing. So the hair, hair shedding has begun. The telogen effluvium phase. Wow. You went through a lot of inflammation. Listen, yes, you gave no, totally birth. like on I understand that this is just what happens. And I know as a lot of people mess messaged me, time heals all, the hair grows back. I know it does because it did with, with Zoe. I was gonna say it did with Kirby. It did with Zoe. And and someone was like, What's worse than the shedding is like the regrowth, like the baby hairs and the baby bangs, which I know will be painful too. But I posted on my Instagram and I asked uh, my followers like who have lost hair before, whether it was postpartum hair loss or just hair loss in general. A lot of people were like, share your responses. So it's crazy to me that hair loss is so common um, between, you know, having the baby and, and also like COVID hair loss, things like that. Uh, uh -huh. But a lot of people also responded with products that they swear has helped them. And I think the top two have been Nutrafol. Yes. So, so many people are like, Nutrafol, Nutrafol, Nutrafol. They, if you are nursing, you can't take the original um, formula, but they make like a uh, nursing friendly formula that people swear by. Interesting. Yeah. And then Vigamore. Interesting. Vigamore serum, which to, I'm going to be completely honest with you, surprised me. Um, I have tried it before, but here's the thing with any product for any product, but specifically for hair, you have to use it consistently. Yes. Like every single day, you know, twice a day or whatever. I'm so bad at that with my hair. I'm like, cause I, I'm, I'm really lucky in that. Like normally my hair is really easy, you know, like it's fine. Yeah. I have a lot of it yep. usually. But when it comes to this, so I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to try using the serum. I, now I'm trying the the necessaire hair serum. Okay. I also got a lot of responses for hair harlequin. Wait, what is it? Oh, harlequin, harlequin. Yes, and you know they have a studio here in LA. Oh, okay, going. I was supposed to meet with the founder a couple of weeks ago. I wasn't able to make it, but that's what restored Ricky Lake's oh hair yes. loss. Yes, you're right. That's what it was. Yes. Okay. So a bunch of people swear by that. Um, okay. Not even just for postpartum, but like, you know, aging hair, patches, things like that. And then Virtue, which yes. we know and love. They have like many, many different products to help. Um, and then also Philip Kingsley. So Philip Kingsley, I've heard is great too. I know, was it Emma Gunn's? I think Emma Gunn's said that she restored her hair loss via Philip Kingsley, I believe. Don't quote me on that. But yeah. that's also, I've heard a great one. I'm curious, though. I'm looking, Sarah, at Nutrafol. Yeah. I always get nervous when I see just crap loads of biotin. Okay, so here is, I was DMing with Erin Johns, who is the beauty director at Who It Wear, and yep. she was talking to me about hair loss. And she's like, I can't take Nutrafol because it makes me break out like biotin right so and i'm sure that that's the case for a lot of people so you know neutrophil while it's worked for a lot of people if you are you know acne prone especially to like biotin it might not be for you i will say a lot of people have said that taking prenatals uh, or postnatals even if you aren't trying to get pregnant also really helps so maybe you could find one that doesn't have biotin in it 
I think that if a brand promoted the fact that they help with hair fall or hair loss and they don't include biotin, that would be a huge selling point for a lot of people because I think a lot of people are becoming more savvy that biotin and and like this literally has 10,000% of the daily value of biotin. It's like you do not need that much effing biotin. Yeah. But I'm also looking at this, their, what they were calling their Synergen complex, and it includes saw palmetto uh-huh. extract, which I have heard very, very good things about that in terms of hair loss, people using saw palmetto extract and things of that nature. So... Okay. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of ingredients within Nutrafol that make sense as to why people are seeing results from it. But at the same time, if you are breaking out from Nutrafol, there could that could be the reason, you know? Yeah, for sure. Justine Marjan replied to me Ooh. and was like... Hairstylist like, Justine Marjan. Yeah. And who has like the most insane hair, like just so gorgeous and long and full. She said she didn't really lose hair because she uh, was doing scalp treatments like scalp massages and castor using castor oil i mean that makes sense right like massaging your your scalp invigorating you know invigorating the regrowth and then using the castor oil which we know and have heard can help encourage hair growth and then someone else said that and you know like we know that michelle ranavat has her beautiful hair oil and she has shared her story about how she was able to um, you know, she lost so much hair after p- pregnancy and um, postpartum and her hair is now like so long and glorious. So, right. Those are some tips and I will be trying all of them. I love that. I recently bought castor oil because on TikTok, this is a huge topic of discussion. There's one woman in particular who is likely not even close to being qualified to be talking <laughs> about this, but... <laughs> she talks about how castor oil changed everything for her, from her skin to her vision. What? Yes. People were in the comments going, oh, my gosh, I started using castor oil in and around my eye, and it helped with floaters. In? Yes. And so I'm looking up like, okay, are you supposed to be? But this is the thing. Castor oil is actually a really great carrier oil for eye drops in particular. So like a lot of these like hydrating or moisturizing eye drops that you use, they incorporate castor oil. Oh. So I wouldn't say run out and buy castor oil and stick it in your eyeball, but I would talk to your doctor to see if like that's something that you could try at the very least instead of having to use like an actual eye drop. But I started using it at least around my eye area um, because people were saying that it's just been like so so helpful in terms of their vision and also it it grows their eyebrows it grows their eyelashes yes I've heard that I've heard a lot of people using it um you know with a spoolie on their eyelashes and then on their eyebrows yep um but I've never heard about putting it inside your eye that's wild I know I need to talk to Dr. Samulitis about this because I bought one that has a dropper yeah, and I was, but I bought it off of Amazon, and so I wanted to make sure that the brand is actually legit, and I wasn't like putting some kind of random concoction into my eyeball. I'm gonna message my ophthalmologist friend. Yes, be oh. like, what are, what are your thoughts? Putting castor oil directly in your eyeball. Let us know. Here's the thing. It's like I trust you, Kirby. I trust you to be. You trust like, me to try it and see if I go blind. No, like to be like your own like DIY scientist. I don't trust 95% of the rest of the people on TikTok doing it because 
I'm like, where's your castor oil from? Right. Are you, is, did you wash your hands? You know what I mean? Right. Everyone's just going to have a sty. Uh, 100%. Dude, I used to get styes all the time in college because I was sleeping with my makeup on and not taking my contacts out and just being really gross. Ew. The worst feeling ever. Styes Do suck. not get styes, everyone. Styes are horrible. I, I've gotten them. They're few and far between, but they they you suck. Do like a little tea bag. Ugh, so annoying. Okay, those are all good recs. Yeah, let me know if you have struggled with hair loss and have found something that's worked for you. Tell us, DM me personally. I yes. want to know. Perfect. I did want to mention that we got an email from a listener mm. regarding our episode on the Lancome Foundation controversy. Ooh. It's from Brittany Korn. And she is a professional makeup artist. And she says, I have a response to this foundation controversy. For both of you to be beauty editors, I'm sure you know the brand Denissa Mirix Beauty. Phenomenal and also a brand that has an array of foundation colors. It provides coverage and immense amount of pigment. Denessa also has the Yummy Skin Serum Foundation and soon to be dropping Skin Serum Tint. There is a brand out there that does cater to everything you spoke about on the podcast. We love Denissa Mirix. Yep, we do. That was not necessarily what we were talking about. There are so many brands that do have a variety of shades. We're not just saying that Lancome was the only brand to like cater to the deepest, darkest skin tones. I mean, hello, Fenty did this. MAC has a ton. Obviously, Denissa Murex has made incredible coverage products. But I don't think that it's wrong to say that the foundation game is still extremely hard. It's so hard to find your perfect shade. I know people that have to use two shades of Denissa Murex in order yeah. to find their perfect shade. And I think the main issue was that they discontinued that particular shade and then was like, use this one instead that was like three shades lighter. 100%. So yeah. yes, we definitely um, we definitely are familiar with Miss Denessa Merricks. We actually have been working to get her on the pod. So we're excited about that. But yes, of course, there are so many brands that have an array of shades, not just <laughs> Lancome. But the point we were making is the fact that they were basically yeah. saying sorry to a bunch of people that counted on those three deeper shades. I know. I am excited to try that skin tint, though. Same. Her new skin tint. I love all of her yummy skin products. They're just absolutely gorgeous. So good. All right. This is some news. This is some news. So when I saw this news i immediately sent it to kirby sometimes i like don't even finish reading the headline or the article and i just send it to you like immediately so that i so that we could be together in like reacting to it so kat sadler a beautiful gorgeous 48 year old woman former e-news host one of my faves so good at, I'm, I'm actually kind of sad that she's not doing it anymore because she's so good at it anyways she got a facelift a neck lift and an eye lift, and she shared with Glamour, you know, what it was like, why she did it, but most importantly, the fact that she's celebrating it and she doesn't care what anyone thinks. I have to say, I do commend her for actually talking about something like this because if you look at the before and the after, plenty of people would be asking her what she did, what she changed. And I know a lot of women would maybe just say, I drank a bunch of water and started doing Pilates. I massaged my face every day. I, you, I gua sha. I started gua sha. 
I got micro needling and PRP, right? And uh, Jessica Radloff, who has been at Glamour for forever, uh, wrote this story. And it starts off and it says, Disneyland is known for a lot of things. The happiest place on earth, a place to walk 20,000 steps a day, a place to buy overpriced Dole Whip. But for Kat Sadler, it's also a place to forge deep conversations while waiting in 75-minute lines. And so, earlier this spring, it's where the TV host, podcaster, and entrepreneur decided to tell her two sons, ages 18 and 22, that she was going to undergo a facelift, a neck lift, a blepharoplasty, and a blepharoplasty, a type of surgery that removes excess skin from the eyelids. One of the things that I thought was a little interesting about this headline is that it said... Kat Sadler got a facelift, a neck lift, and an eye lift at 48. She doesn't care what you think about that. Mm-hmm. For me, personally, I feel like a lot of women in their late 40s and early 50s are considering this. Mm-hmm. Not not like, uh, not the majority of people, but people who are interested in plastic surgery. That's like around the time you start thinking about facelifts. You're so right. And so I thought it was interesting they brought her age into it because I think if she was 38, that would be a really interesting conversation to me because that is the millennialization of the facelift, in my opinion. Yeah. But with this, it's I think the more commendable thing is not that she is 40. It almost feels like the headline is saying she's 48. It's such a young time to be getting a facelift. But like. I, I keep repeating this and I'm like, I hope this is true now that I think about it because I can't remember even how I heard this, but I'm pretty sure Jane Fonda got her first facelift at 40. So she was way, she was like way, like way, way younger. She got, she had breast implants and then she got a full facelift in her 40s with a second facelift in her 70s. Okay, so I'm not fake newsing this. This is true. That seems like the appropriate timeline. And I'm sure Dr. Karam would agree that probably most of his patients that come in are in their like mid late 40s early 50s yes mid late 40s early 50s so for yeah so what you're saying is for cat 48 is it seems like a normal yeah but you're right as normal as plastic surgery can be you're totally right that the headline does make it seem like she's doing it as a uh, too young. Yeah, and I, I obviously need to finish reading this story. Jessica says, I ask whether she felt societal pressure in electing such a major surgery this early in her life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think it's that early. And, and, and I know Jess, like Jess is an entertainment reporter. Maybe she is not that familiar with plastic surgery trends and things of that nature. But most plastic surgeons I've talked to because... I witnessed a facelift this year, y'all. Like, I I saw it happen. Yeah. Most of these women are in their late 40s, early 50s now. It's shifted from maybe 20 years ago, but plenty of plastic surgeons are saying, no, so many women, like, late 40s, early 50s seems like the time most women are now going in to at least get a consult. Totally. So in the article, it continues, and it said, she knows, cats. Kat Sadler knows that there will be some people who think she's too young for this kind of surgery. So I think what it might be is that women just who have been getting facelifts around this age just aren't talking about it as much. Totally. And everyone's just wondering, like, hmm, her face looks different. You know what I mean? Whereas, like, it's more, quote unquote, acceptable when you're in your 60s and 70s. 
Like, it seems like that's like the more acceptable age to be doing it. But I am sure, like Kirby said, women have been doing that and men have been doing this forever in their 40s and 50s. Right. And I think, too, maybe there's societal pressure as somebody who was on camera for a very long amount of time depends on her look and presentation to book jobs and things of that nature. She probably also mm-hmm. was looking at herself in the mirror and going, I feel this age, but I look mm-hmm. this age. Mm-hmm. Or maybe I am this age, but I look this age instead. And that's, you know, there's right. all these factors that play into it. And it's no secret here. I follow a thousand plastic surgeons and I love to see who does what and and why they do it and how young some of these patients are. And I could probably Google right now the um, American Academy of Plastic Surgeons and find some reports that show women in their mid 40s to like mid 50s are probably the ones leading the charge in terms of these more invasive cosmetic surgeries. Totally. I talked to Dr. Karam for a story a couple of months ago and was trying to get more information of, you know, our, you know, millennials coming in for this stuff. And he said that he has had a large grouping of women in their late 30s coming in, but not specifically for a facelift, but to talk about their necks. Mm. And that he does a mini version of what he has um, coined the vertical restore procedure. And this is the facelift that I watched, which was bonkers. And it lifts the skin upwards versus backwards. And it also doesn't just affect the face, but when you lift from the top of your head upwards, it also pulls the neck as well. So it tightens everything. That's why it's called the vertical restore. But he said that because of the introduction of cell phones, you know, maybe 20 years ago, we didn't have these little pocket cameras and things of that nature that were telling us, you know, okay, look like this, don't look like this, or like even just having a front-facing camera that distorts the way we see ourselves. So now people are getting younger looking for these specific types of surgeries. So I did think that this was an interesting angle. Uh, I commend Kat for talking about this because plenty of people are doing this. Like, like especially in Hollywood, especially when you're the way you look depends on the type of jobs you get yeah i'm not saying that this is like a majority blanketed statement for every person in america that at late 40s early 50s they're looking to get a facelift there's so many factors that play into it number one being having the means to do so it's an expensive surgery dr karam on his website literally states it starts at 70k so it also it just depends on who you go to where you're going to if you have aftercare post-op care you know, are you staying in a facility? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Are you getting additional surgeries? You know, like she got she got a facelift and a neck lift. Usually a blepharoplasty isn't included in that. So, right. But I do think in Kat's case, and, and we do talk about Los Angeles and Hollywood on this podcast. If you're looking at someone, you're like, they look impossibly good. One two of two things happened. They got a facelift or some type of cosmetic enhancement or they're being edited to filth on their Instagram and then you see them Mm -hmm. in real life and you go oh they look normal yeah totally and that's the thing it's like I think that you know everyone is even the writer of the story like commending Kat for doing for coming out and being transparent 
Um, and I agree. We love when when celebrities tell the truth. But it's not even the fact that like, oh, this is like normalizing it no. for 30s or 40s. It's just the fact that like we can look at this woman and be like, oh, that's like I can feel better about myself because, you know, I I don't have to live up to that. Like I don't I, I'm the way that I look because this is just how I look, how God made me. And I haven't gotten plastic surgery, right. you know. So it it's just so important. And that's why even with this whole Ozempic yeah. thing, it's like I just wish that all of these celebrities would just come out and tell us the truth. Because I mean, I they look there's so many. I was thinking about this last night. I was scrolling through TikTok. I was scrolling through Instagram. So many celebrities just look thinner than they've ever looked ever. And I'm like, this is very clearly with an enhancement of some sort. Right. And like good, you know, whatever makes you feel good about yourself. But it's just when you then like lie to your fans and your audience and say it's because you started you, walking more. Yes, you dieted. More, you dieted. Yeah. Like, come on. Come on. Yeah. Let's be real. Like, I, Let's I be real. respect everyone. And you're profiting off of that weight yes, loss. That's, that is 100%, I think, the thing that bugs me the most. Same. When you're, yeah, it's just you're lying. Um, but Kirby, you were talking about the American Society of Plastic Surgeons. So Allura recently just posted this article, published this article rather about how cheek plant implants are gaining in popularity. And I guess there was a whole, you know, American Society of Plastic Surgeons released um, some of their insights from t 2021 and 2023. Um, but it does say here in this article the 30s and early 40s are around the time when people tend to notice changes in yep. their facial structure. Yep. So that's what Dr. Karam said. Dr. Karam was yes, saying like late 30s, early 40s, that's when you're really starting to lose collagen. The gravity. Yes. Is you're starting to in. look different than how you feel. And we could have a whole other dissertation and discussion about how as women get older, people people change how they treat you when you start looking older it, mm -hmm. it is a real thing and it's weird it's just it's a weird thing to try to reconcile how you're like well i don't feel like i i look old or i don't feel old but then other people are like no that's right an older woman which is weird whole thing's weird yeah they start calling you start oh, calling God. you ma'am um, yes. I'm going to call you ma'am. And they've, I just want to say, so in the, in their insights, they said the top cosmetic procedures patients are seeking or were seeking in 2021, 2022 were number one, lipo, mm. two, facelift, three, breast augmentation, four, tummy tuck, and five, breast wow. lift. Hey, I'll, I'll take one of each. So well, I'll love to, love to hear it. All right. We have... We have some news, and BeautyCon is back. Da 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 da. Who remembers when BeautyCon launched? Did en did any of you guys attend? Kirby and I certainly did. It was. I thought it was really cool at the beginning. It ended up becoming a complete and utter shit show. And I think a lot of people, when they saw this news, was like, "Oh my gentle Jesus, not BeautyCon! Like not again. We we can't go backwards." I posted about this because I've talked to so many influencers and creators that were literally invited as guests to BeautyCon in the past and were treated terribly. 
had they had no direction absolute true chaos in terms of organization scheduling things of that nature and treating the influencer and makeup community in particular like second-class citizens when they would get their bigger guests like Cardi B and Kim Kardashian, which is like not what BeautyCon was created for. Not to mention, we would be remiss if we did not talk about the allegations against Moj, who was one of the founders. She was actually not one of the founders. She was the CEO of BeautyCon. And an Instagram account came out in 2020 called BeautyConned by Moj, and it asked her to step down. And it said the 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 webs the, the, this Instagram account included screenshots of the company's negative Glassdoor reviews, an IGTV video by influencer Patrick Starr calling the festival a quote hodgepodge mess, and disparaging comments allegedly made by Madara Moj Madara is her name uh, to former employees. WWD's previous reporting on the company's recent struggles is also highlighted. So this particular group was a collective of people that have worked with Moj in some capacity over the last five years since Moj had become the CEO of BeautyCon. It basically confirmed a lot of what WWD had reported um, in December 2019 and May 2020. And it says in this WWD story, the company, sources says, said routinely overspent on operations and a recent delay in new fundraising is causing mounting financial pressure even as it lays off employees delays payment to remaining workers and ignores lawsuits seeking damages for breach of contract sources at the time of wwd's reporting blamed beautycon's fundraising troubles on a toxic toxic corporate culture finally catching up madara a charismatic orator who many said lacks the operational expertise necessary to manage a global events business she didn't have the experience of doing this before, so she delegated to the point of absolution of responsibility. And when something goes wrong, she starts the screaming and yelling in the negative spiral downturn, a former employee told WWD. Glassdoor reviews posted by the BeautyCon by Moj account are presented as proof of more toxic behavior. One review, oh my God, one review likens working at BeautyCon to working in the Trump White House and noted that Madara is only interested in her own personal gain and uses everyone as long as they can stand it. Yikes. Just a lot of drama there. All that to say, new beauty con, new, new leadership. Times have changed. Times are changing. So it was announced that now beauty con is owned. So it went, it, mm -hmm. it was sold. Like mm -hmm. there was news about this. It was, it was sold to a new. Like a couple of years ago. Yeah. They were like, we're okay. Like under new management. So BeautyCon is now under the new ownership and management of Essence v Ventures LLC, which is great. And they're going to kick things off with their brand's first in-person experience since 2019 at the 2023 Essence Festival of Culture which is presented by Coca-Cola in New Orleans and will be from June 29th to July 3rd. And then they're doing the big homecoming in L.A. later this year, I believe in September. Yes, September 16th through the 17th. And they're partnering with Walmart. With Walmart. Our favorite. Yep. And I talked to Corey Stokes about this. He works mm -hmm. um, at Essence he is um, the senior vice president of creative at Essence Ventures. BeautyCon saw that I posted, like, hope this isn't a shit show. 
And they were like, want to talk to Corey? And I said, yes. So I hopped on a call with Corey. Essence Ventures, uh, They this isn't their first rodeo. They've been around the block. They know what the hell they're doing. I mean, Essence Fest is like 100%. the number one festival. So like Kirby said, it's this is going to be it's going to be good at the very minimum. And I think that they're going to be doing a lot to get a you know good um, rapport with influencers again. They couldn't give me exact details, but there will be marquee speakers. So likely big names in the beauty industry, celebrities, tastemakers, founders, things of that nature. But it's it's moving forward. And I do think like partnering with Walmart is a really great move on their part versus like a Sephora or an Ulta. Like it again, we talk about this all the time, but the reach that Walmart has is just so vast. And so I think it just makes it more approachable too and uh, more inclusive, which I guess is also their new tagline. And their mission is just to make it more inviting to everyone. Yeah. So yeah, I'm really curious because... After BeautyCon launched, it launched a thousand different cons, right? Like everyone was like, wow, this is genius. This is so successful. Not just more different beauty conventions like a Sephora, but also just every other. I mean, obviously there's like Comic-Con and everything existed prior to that. But the way that like BeautyCon, they really like changed the way that conventions were for young people. And then it just blew up. But I'm just curious, like you were saying, Kirby, like what a 2023 convention looks like versus a 2019. Like obviously there's yeah, the social media like TikTok of it all. And there's like that whole, you know, world of influencers um, and having to speak to the younger audience and see if whether or not they will come out and like leave their houses and their phones to like be in in person yeah because i mean vidcon last year was like not a roaring success and right. some people say it's because tiktok took over instead of youtube being the general sponsor of that con but i also think there's a lot to say about the fact that after the pandemic i don't think people were like people were not consuming content in the same way and also <laughs> having an instagrammy experience isn't really on the top of people's list anymore. They're not going to things to have like this cute picture Instagram moment anymore. They want to have like an actual fun, fulfilling experience. It's not enough to have like a pink wall for you to stand in front of and take pictures. Exactly. Exactly. But at the same time, we're not ready for, well, I'm personally not for the metaverse completely either. You know, like people still crave in-person experiences, but it just has to be the right one and so can BeautyCon figure that out million dollar question billion dollar question we will see I I can't wait to go yeah September here we come thank you everyone for listening this week we will be back on Friday with another great guest interview make sure you subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Spotify so you don't miss any breaking beauty news or product reviews and if you want to support us be sure to follow us at Gloss Angeles Pod on all platforms and join our Facebook group. Plus, find every product we recommend on our website, glossangelespod.com, as well as links to the stories and news we report each week. 
You can follow us, your hosts. I'm Sarah Tan, that's S-A-R-A-T-A-N, on all social platforms. And I'm Kirby Johnson, K-I-R-B-I-E, on all social platforms. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 